Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Football Social Daily. Your daily Premier League podcast. Everton are teetering whilst Burnley have their belief back. A brilliant game in the Premier League last night as the Clarets delivered a crippling blow to a Toffees team who look in serious trouble. A big boost for Burnley whilst it's looking grim at Goodison. How will last night's result change the relegation picture? We'll begin the post-mortem on today's show. Plus, another side in blue found it tough too yesterday, this time in the Champions League as Real Madrid's Karim Benzema was the scourge of Chelsea at the bridge. After being beaten by Brentford, they'll now be on the back foot at the Bernabeu. Madrid's home is an iconic European stadium, and so too is Camp Nou. But David Moyes says his West Ham side can't be dreaming big about Barcelona because the Hammers have a tough home test against Lyon to come in the Europa League quarterfinals first. Lots to go out on today's show. This is your award-winning daily Premier League podcast, Football Social Daily. My name's Niall, and with me today, Joel Tudor and Marley Anderson. Morning, boys. Morning, guys. Morning, fellas. Which game did you take in last night, Joel? Were you on the Champions League bandwagon, or did you watch oh, God. Burnley versus Everton? Do you think I'm tuning in for Burnley and Everton when you got Real Madrid and Chelsea? <laughs> <laughs> of course I did. One for the no, football purists. One for the football purists. What about you, Marley? Uh, I'd love to say I'm the ultimate hipster and watched Burnley versus Everton, but you couldn't pay me to watch that game. So I, I also watched Chelsea versus Real Madrid, and then I'm just uh, catching up with the highlights of, of the Burnley game uh, overnight, and then I'm watching the end now. Well, actually, it's the Burnley versus Everton game where we're going to start because although it might have looked a little bit drab on paper, massive implications for both of these sides when it comes to the relegation zone. Two sides that were pretty close to each other going into the game in terms of their league positioning, but now. Everton are only a point ahead of Burnley and they are level in terms of the amount of games that they have played. It was 3-2 to the Clarets, full-time score, a late flurry from Burnley, Jay Rodriguez equalising before Maxwell Cornet fired in to make it 3-2. Delirious scenes at Turf Moor, it's not often you say that, is it? If you're a Burnley fan, I think it's probably a while since you celebrated a goal that hard, but um, a massive result for the Clarets. But how damaging... Marley, is that result for Everton? To be in a winning position, they were 2-1 up. To then go and lose it 3-2 away from home against the relegation rival, just how much of a blow is that to their survival hopes? <laughs> it, well, it's absolutely huge, obviously. Um, if you look at Everton's upcoming fixtures and the way they're playing, you know, they must be heavy favourites to go down because I think they've still got Man United, Leicester, uh, Liverpool all to come. I think they've got Arsenal as well. Uh, and you know if if you can't hold a if you can't hold a lead at two one up against Burnley who are right in and around you you know the one the one game where you say right we can win this and we should win this you know it's uh, it it's really 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 bad you know the defending was horrendous the 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 uh, the goal from the corner was awful uh, to concede the um, the winner was, I mean, the well, the equaliser for Burnley and the winner were even worse. I mean, they're just cutbacks from the edge of the box, which, you know, two or three defenders missed. I mean, I think it's uh, Godfrey for, for Corne's winner 
misses it and then fills the interception as well. It's Branthwaite for the second one, who's one of the worst players I've ever seen to play in the Premier League. Without a doubt, he's absolutely awful. Not cut out for it at all. And then you've got Mason Holgate playing in, in defensive midfield. And I just think, what is Lampard doing that is making Everton so bad? I don't understand what he's doing on, on the training pitch. Um, his tactics are, are strange. And Everton, uh, they've just got no fight. They're not, they're just no, they're not hard to beat. They're, they're too easy to, to score against. They didn't even score from open play last night. I know they scored two goals, but they were both penalties. Um so that that leaves a, a huge sort of question mark over where you're going to get the goals from. Calvert Lewin hasn't scored since he's been injured, I don't think, um, and that was back in August. There's, there's ridiculous problems at that club, and you just think back to when Lampard came in, like two or three months ago, um, and you know Vitor Pereira was was linked with the uh, with the job. I mean, I think Marcel Brands has been dying to give him a job for about ten years. Finally, thought right, I'll get him, and the fans protested so hard to get Frank Lampard and they were like Lampard in there's banners all sorts of stuff um and a, a sort of cynical part of me is just thinking is this karma for threatening Rafa Benitez when he took over the job did he realize how hard it is and how crap that squad is and thought you know what we can't play on the front foot we're not good enough let's try and keep it keep it safe at the back and then the fans are you know hounded him out and then they wanted Lampard in because they were, for some reason, you know, willing to take that chance on a manager who's never managed in the Premier League. Um, well, minus his sort of iffy run at Chelsea, which is hard to to put a sort of read on because of because it's Chelsea and it's such a big club with with funds and, and amazing players at your disposal. You know, he's never came into a club that that is in the Premier League and needs work. Um, Everton are exactly that. But the fans clamoured for him. The fans wanted him, uh, and the fans so far have been absolutely wrong. So, and it could end in relegation. It's a very, very real threat. I think everybody knows that now. Um, and mm. looking at who they've got, you do not know where they're going to pick up points. And you start to wonder about the players. Are the players thinking, you know, let's fight this, or Christ, where am I going to be in four months' time? Because Richarlison's already nailed on to leave. And so is the rest of that squad, Pickford, Calvert-Lewin, they'll be thinking about the futures. All all the bigger players, the bigger earners will as well. Yeah, I mean, you look at their fixtures. Everton have got Manchester United in the half-twelve kickoff, Goodison Park on Saturday. So it's a really quick turnaround from a Thursday night to then a Saturday lunchtime kickoff. But you're right to pick up the rest of their fixtures because after Manchester United, they're at home to Leicester. Then it's the Merseyside derby against Liverpool. Then it's Chelsea at home, Leicester again, and then Watford, Brentford, Palace and Arsenal on the final day to complete their remaining nine games. And it does look so difficult for Frank Lampard with this current position. But at the moment, they're not in the relegation zone. They're just above it. I think what was interesting was when Lampard came in on the 31st of January, they won their first game, which was an FA Cup tie against Brentford. Um, but then they lost the following game against Newcastle. And it never felt like they really had a, a new manager bounce because now, Joel, that's eight losses out of the 12 games that Frank Lampard's had in charge of Everton. That's a pretty shocking record. And Obviously, Marley's right. He doesn't have much experience of coming into a side at the bottom of the Premier League and dealing with relegation battles. He lamented in his post-match interview not holding on to that winning position. They were 2-1 up. How does Lampard fix this? Because as Marley says, there are so many holes in this squad. Does he even know? Does he know what he's doing? Well, it seemed as though he thought he knew how to fix it, which was bringing in Deli Ali, who has no guarantees that he'll ever get back to what he was. And then he brought in Donny van der Beek as well. I mean... I think in that situation, even in the situation that Everton were when he took in, uh, when he when he took over, sorry, was that I don't think he should have been taking a gamble and trying to resurrect careers. He should have been looking at that defensive line and thinking, okay, we actually need some experience in defence now, someone who's actually gonna command that defence because right now, like, I mean, if you can see three goals to Burnley, you've got problems. So now that the kind of and Deli Ali doesn't even get in the team, Donny Van der Beek's kind of in and out as well I just think it was quite naive those two signings I think they would have been perfect if they were in a mid-table position say where the position that Palace are in where they can afford to experiment without having too many repercussions because now they just don't have any reinforcements and just what Marley was saying about the, the goals that they conceded that second one um, I think that Jay Rodriguez scored for Burnley 
when you rewatch it, there's about five players who are literally ball watching or going towards the ball, and the Jay Rodriguez is literally stood in acres of space just waiting to tap in. I mean, I don't know if you can coach it's that. that. It's that bad, Joel. Tarkowski turns. Tarkowski starts that move. A centre back by spinning down the left wing and turning into friggin' prime Ryan kicks. That's how bad it is. What I mean, when you've got he's a big, big, heavy, cumbersome centre back and he's skinning your wingers on the wing. That's how. That's how shocking you are. I mean, well, actually, talk about the Everton players. Uh, for me, it was the reaction of when they won the penalties and Richarlison scored them. They didn't really look that bothered. They were celebrating it as if they were a mid-table side with nothing to play for. Whereas when Burnley scored. They were absolutely loving it. They were going mad. They were running over to the supporters. I know the game was at home. But to me, that said a lot in terms of body language, Joel. The way that the Everton players almost weren't too bothered that they had won a penalty and scored in in what was a huge game in their season. Yeah, I guess. But then I guess on the other hand, the fact that Burnley had to come from behind twice uh, probably played a role. But I I do agree with what you're saying. It just seems... If you're going to pick out of Burnley and Everton right now, just irrespective of the fixtures, I would pick Burnley every single time because I think there's there's part of tr- there's some truth in what you're saying that I just feel as though the their players look like they care a little bit more um whereas at Everton it just feels to me as though some of the players are resounded to what's happening and I don't think half of them will even look beyond this season especially if they go down um so for me it's just you know I think Rafa Benitez's job should probably be more appreciated now if anything because now you know, having that experienced manager who probably knew the situation he was in. I mean, Marcel Brands ended up leaving halfway through the season, which tells you a lot in itself. But the fact that he was masking over severe issues in that squad, and now you've got Lampard, who has never been in this situation before. He's only ever been at a club who's either going for promotion or going for the Champions League places, which is a totally different kind of pressure to keeping a club who's never been relegated from the top flight of going into the next division. I mean, that's a different pressure in itself. And um, he's in the deep end big time with this and he just doesn't seem to have the reinforcements to get him out. So judging from that last few fixtures, like you mentioned, Niall, I mean, I've... Well, let's get... Let's just get things out of the way first. They're going to turn up like a cup final against United at the weekend, 100%. After that, I I don't see where they get points, really. Because playing Chelsea, Arsenal, um, I think... You have to play Leicester twice yeah. as well, home and away. I do not see where they get it from. I think it's the last four games, Joel. I think it's Watford, Brentford, Palace and Arsenal. The last four games where, where maybe they, they might have a, a chance of picking up points. Because, I mean, with the way that things are going, they're not going to beat Liverpool. They're not going to beat Chelsea. Um, Watford, that might be huge. Brentford, they might be safe by then. And Crystal Palace are definitely safe already and they might not have anything to play for. So if those final three games, get it gets to the well, stage of the al- season. There's already reports of the manager going though, isn't there? There's reports of them talking about Lampard's future already. So even when you throw that into the mix, like, you know, you've already took, you know, two gambles to get to this point. You're going to take another one to get out of it. It just becomes even bigger yeah that's true but I mean like you say I mean it could be almost not done and dusted but it could be such a horrible situation for Everton by the time those final four games rolled around I mean we're still a month away from sort of early May and you know there's there's still so many points to play for to me actually what Joel was saying about the players is interesting Marley because it feels like some of the Everton players even though they haven't played well enough to deserve this comment that it feels like some of them feel that they could probably be Premier League players next season, whether that's at Everton or not. Or as Burnley players, you don't get that feeling. So maybe that's why they celebrated harder. Maybe that's why Burnley wanted it more, because I can't see many Burnley players being poached. But the way Everton are playing, I can't see many of their players being picked off either. But it certainly feels more likely that you'll see some of those Everton faces in the Premier League next season, regardless of whether their club are there or not. Yeah, um, and on, you know, as you, as you sort of, uh, alluded to, you know, the the performances don't suggest that any of them are Premier League players because they've been woeful all season. I can't think of any Everton players that have had a good season. Um, possibly Anthony Gordon, but he's only come in because nobody knew how good he was. Like, he's only looking good because he's sort of promising and young and we've never seen him before. So, you know, even that, he was one of the ones that got skinned by uh, Tarkowski down the wing on, on that first goal yesterday. So, I just think it's uh, it's 
it's going to get picked apart Everton squad on reputation and on on, on hope that uh, that players can get back to the form. Um, Pickford has been not great, but he he would get a move. He would get a move somewhere. I don't know where, but somewhere someone would take him. Um, you know, Richarlison would obviously go. Calvert-Lewin as well. Um, Alan maybe probably go back to Italy or something like that. He's got plenty of admirers out there after playing for Napoli for years and years. Um, Andre Gomez isn't sticking around to go to Luton and Millwall away. He's he's going to go back to sunnier climates, I would reckon. Um, but yeah, I mean, the wage budget and stuff comes into it and I think money saves Everton if they go down and the money of of uh, Mashiri and, and things like that. But even when you look at Everton at board level, you know, Usmanov's money is now gone. Um, because of the situation with the, with the the war, um, so there's there's question marks all over that club. They've absolutely fell apart. It's it's an absolute just manual as to how to not spend money at Everton because Everton have spent half a billion pounds on players. They're, I think they're the seventh most um, the club that the seventh highest club on spend of transferring wages in Premier League history. So they've always had decent backing and then they finally went for it big time and sometimes we say about clubs you know you need to spend money to stay in this league and to challenge in this league and you know it's never a um it's never a pay to win type of thing it doesn't always matter how much money you're putting in because if you get a bunch of bad eggs you know you're you're knackered and we're seeing it with Everton this season that they've spent money on every single player in that squad and decent money and they're on decent wages um, you know, some of them on a hundred grand plus, and they're all playing like you wouldn't. They wouldn't get in your Sunday League seven aside team because should should they change manager? Should they get rid of Lampard? What do you think? Who's out there? It'd have to be a firefighter, wouldn't it? It'd have to be an Allardyce again, uh, or or someone like someone of that ilk. Um, but who's out there? I'm I'm looking at funnily enough, I'm looking at a thumbnail on uh, on YouTube after the highlights, and it's a clip about Rooney. I'm just thinking, would they go back in for Rooney now? With um with Derby about to get bought, um through administration. And now there's someone who does have experience of a relegation <laughs> battle. Well, I yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure. I'd I'd probably let Duncan Ferguson just batter everyone on the training pitch and see who fancies the fight next week because that's that's what it takes. Well, it's really interesting to to see what does happen with Frank Lampard. Um, you know, his hair was looking thin before he took the job, but in that post match interview last night, I've never seen him so stony faced and <laughs> it is his receding hairline was certainly sticking out to me um i, I don't know whether he, to feel sorry for him or not because his job so hasn't he he cherry picked I mean. his job for like nine months and this is what happened that's what i mean i don't know whether to feel sorry for him or not because he had the opportunity i think to to manage crystal palace and he turned it down in favor of a bigger club in everton and he's maybe bitten off more than he can chew anyway we'll obviously bring you the latest Everton news if there are any developments or changes to their managerial situation at the moment Frank Lampard is in situ but whether that changes or not remains to be seen if it does we'll talk about it right here on Football Social Daily before we move on though and talk about Chelsea's game in the Champions League last night Joel we've mentioned the result Burnley winning 3-2 we've spoken a lot about Everton but I think we should mention Burnley before we move on how much of a boost is that for them and for Sean Dyche and now do you think they could stay up? Do you think they will stay up after that result? I think right now I would 100% favour them. Um, I think we were saying in podcasts previously that Burnley were the only side, I think, that are a danger to Everton just because obviously they had their few games in hand. Uh, Watford and Norwich, they just seem as though they're languing, languing, um, languing behind a little bit. But it, when you, if all you have to do is just compare the two fixtures of the two sides and Burnley do have the more favourable one. That's not to say that they're going to go and blitz everyone right now, but it's the case that Everton just look far less equipped and it's so weird to say that considering just how much they've spent and just how many players are apparently meant to be of high quality. You know, you saw Richarlison linked with a Barcelona move. Andre Gomez used to play for Barcelona. Godfrey, they spent a crazy amount. I mean, Burnley's team is a very is a very budget side, isn't it? It's not made of superstars, but they all play for the badge, I think. And I think that's the main difference. So for me, Burnley are the best equipped and especially big a big asset for them is Sean Dyche. Never gone down with them, uh, I don't think. Oh, it was, oh, yeah, it was the first time uh, when they came back, but that was a long time ago. I just feel as though he's the best equipped in this situation to get them out of it. And even though they've only won four in 29, 
I wouldn't be surprised if that's doubled by the end of the season, just because of the way in which teams suddenly get this second wind when it comes into the final games, and I think they're definitely best equipped. Do you know, do you know who would be the perfect Everton manager to get them out of this? Sean Dyche. It's funny you say that, because <laughs> at the start of the season, before he signed that new long-term deal with Burnley, there were suggestions that he could maybe look for a a fresh challenge and what could he do with a bigger budget what could he do with a dejected group of players um certainly Burnley players more money more problems <laughs> I'm not quite sure it works the same way in football but who knows, who knows? Um, <laughs> they've got Norwich at the weekend Burnley if they beat Norwich oh. at Carrow Road on Sunday that's a, a huge result for them particularly with um Manchester United playing Everton in the early kickoff on Saturday so by that point Everton We'll, you know, we'll know exactly what could happen if Burnley beat Norwich. They could overtake Everton and put Everton in the relegation zone. Oh, it's also exciting. We'll talk about it, of course, on the dugout, our Premier League preview show with former professional players. Looking forward to that game being discussed on the show, as well as a huge match between Manchester City and Liverpool in the Premier League title race. All of that to come on the dugout. If you hit subscribe, that way you won't miss it. And also to come on today's show, Champions League chat when it comes to Chelsea. They were undone by a certain Benzema last night. We'll talk about it next after this. Football's Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport social.co.uk. Welcome back. This is Sports Social's Football Social Daily, your only seven-day-a-week Premier League podcast covering all the latest big news and opinion in the English top flight. My name's Niall. I've got Marley and Joel alongside me. And Chelsea were in Champions League quarter-final action last night at Stamford Bridge. They welcomed the most successful club in European history, Real Madrid, to West London. And they were undone by one of the best European strikers we've seen in the last 15 years. It's interesting how Karim Benzema's reputation doesn't precede him uh, as much as maybe it should do, considering he's been a top goal scorer for Real Madrid uh, since 2009. So well over 10 years but it was almost as if he was operating in the shadow of Cristiano Ronaldo since Ronaldo's moved on the 34 year old has come into his own and he scored a hat-trick last night to condemn Chelsea to a 3-1 defeat and really give them an uphill battle a mountain to climb when they travel to the Bernabeu in a week or so's time so 3-1 the final score I think Marley it's fair to say considering the way Benzema played and the way Real Madrid looked going forward that was probably a fair result don't you think? Yeah, uh, I think it was was reflective of, uh, reflective of the performance. Um, Real Madrid were were just just too good. Uh, Chelsea's level wasn't at, wasn't at its best. Obviously, it was it's kind of similar to how they played Brentford. And with respect to Brentford, Real Madrid are not Brentford. You know, they're they're gonna make you look even more uh, silly. Um, and I think the whole game, to be to be fair, sort of ignoring the the sort of uh, balance of it. I think the whole game come down to uh, a battle of the strikers and the fact that one had a world-class striker and one of them doesn't know how to get their world cl- world-class striker or supposedly world-class striker into the team and scoring goals. Because it took, it took Tuchel, and I'm not blaming Tuchel, by the way, it took Tuchel, I think it was 67 minutes to put Lukaku on. And you are never... You know, there wasn't a single person in Stamford Bridge or watching at home who expected Romelu Lukaku to score a goal to drag them back into this this tie. Um, and he came on, he missed a sitter from about seven yards, 
and it was it was as simple as that. And you look down the other end, and Benzema's doing all the running, linking up with Vinicius Junior absolutely brilliantly. He's he's a mint little player as well on that left wing, um, and scoring two of the best headers you you will ever ever see in in any any game ever, whether it's Sunday League or Champions League final type of stuff. That is not. Uh, I mean, it's the not... reverse angle for that first header, Marley, on the TV was oh, it's just awesome. It's um, even I mean, and how the way the cross comes him? across, Jesus. yeah, he's miles out, and he gets underneath the ball as well to give it the lift it needs to get over uh, Mendy and the Chelsea goal. And Mendy is a big fella, like he's well over six foot two, six foot three, yeah, and it just floats over him and under the crossbar. It's a perfect header. But for me, Marley, it's the the touch, the outside of the boot pass. Um, down the left-hand side to 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 sort of trigger the move off mm. that will not get noticed because the header was so good. But you know, it's just all round brilliant centre forward play. Do you think he's still underrated, Benzema? Do you think he is? Uh, maybe not now, but he, he certainly has been in the sort of um, the uh, the sort of last ten years because Ronaldo's been there and Ronaldo's been putting in fifty, sixty goals a season, so. But a big part of that is Benzema dropping off um, and find, giving Ronaldo the space and finding space for him by occupying centre-backs and, and God knows how many times he's assisted him um, over the years. But now we're seeing Benzema step up and be the, be the main goal scorer and we're sort of all reminded of, of how good he actually is and how good he has been because he's a, he's a complete centre-forward. He can do everything. He's, he can hold it up. He can link players into play. And he can linger around in the penalty box and and score from from anywhere, whether it's left foot, right foot, headers. He's got everything to his game. Um, and he's you know over the last ten years he's been the perfect teammate, and now he's like the perfect centre forward, pretty much. I think he's got is it thirty six goals this season? It's just madness. He's I think he's thirty four years old. He yeah. Should, like, by all rights, he should be sort of slowing down a little bit. Um, mm. and Real Madrid should maybe be looking at the next big striker who they can get, you know, Erling Haaland maybe or Mbappe. Um, but Benzema is just still smashing it and, you know, it, it doesn't look like slowing down anytime soon. What I thought was quite interesting was a tweet I saw about um, people suggesting that Harry Kane would be a, a poor buy for anyone because of his age and because of his injury record. Yet, Karim Benzema is 34, Robert Lewandowski is 34 and those two have torn European competition and their domestic leagues apart in the last couple of seasons and so you know with them being four years older than Kane why is it that Harry Kane's a poor choice Uh, I thought that was a really interesting narrative and something that we maybe need to look into a little bit more in terms of how we analyze players and how we analyze careers because I think players can play on to a lot longer now and maybe 30 isn't the you know the the hump of the career it maybe is 32 33 before you know, some players hit their peak and then they go on the, the downward slide. I mean, just look at Thiago Silva in the Premier League, for an example. I mean, he's had, having a really good season. Um, wasn't quite so good for him at the weekend against Brentford or indeed for Chelsea last night as they were beaten 3-1. Havertz did get them back in it, Joel, but a mistake from Mendy right at the second half, start of the second half uh, and a bit of a mix-up with the defence allowed Benzema in to score his and Real Madrid's third. It was an uncharacteristic mistake from Mendy, who's been so good in goal for Chelsea since he arrived. Is that just a sign that it's just beginning to unravel and maybe all of the outside noise and all of the problems at the club are just starting to tell on the team now? Yeah, I was surprised at that mistake because Mendy's been probably one of the best, if not the best keeper in the world for the last year or so. Um, And to see that mistake, and not even just that mistake, but the fact that Rudiger literally went into it very half-heartedly when Benzema was challenging him in a 50-50. I don't know if it's because he still had a yellow card, but even still, he's the type of guy who will make sure that he wins the ball. He's a bit of a a nutcase on the pitch, to put it lightly. Um, But that's what makes him such a great defender as well. I was just... The defence, just in general, even Thiago Silva in the last few games has been making mistake after mistake and even his wife came out I don't know if you saw that uh, to his defence on her yeah, socials did, where yeah. she was like using the, the guy who could speak uh, English next to her it was it, it's, it's all a bit strange around Chelsea at the moment um, especially with all the off-field stuff going on I don't know if that's affecting things but again I don't I, I think the fact that Romelu Lukaku who they who they play, paid a hundred million for has to come off the bench and don't get me wrong as well he had an amazing chance to put them uh, back into the game and missed completely with that header in the box that's been downplayed a hell of a lot I think because any other club 
there where they're paying 100 million for a striker and he scored, I don't know how many he's scored, like five in the Premier League this season, which is just absolutely way below par what they're expecting. And if you want to go for a league title, that's not the numbers you want to be putting in, especially when you compare uh, Karim Benzema, who's literally aging like the finest French wine you can find. And then you look at uh, Lukaku, and I think he just has one eye on going back to Italy, if I'm honest. I just don't think he fits anything at Chelsea right now. I think Chelsea need a way more technical striker on the ball, which I thought Werner would have been. But even still, he's very he's just not clinical at all compared to what they need. Um, and again, Lukaku's a player who isn't going to get you the goals in the big games. He's In the Premier League, he's always been known as a player who is incredible against those weaker defences where he can get in behind quicker or but then when he plays against the top defenders and the top midfielders who give him very little space um, and they're very intelligent on the ball he, he rarely gets into games so Chelsea are, they've got a massive task I don't see them winning this now um, I think Benzema is just going to continue his his form I love the fact that you know they had Federico Valverde on the right wing and they still just demolished the defence which is pretty impressive so yeah, for Chelsea, it's an uphill battle. I just don't see them getting through to the next round based on you know the fact that as well as Andreas Christensen, who's apparently agreed a, a deal with Barcelona. I mean, mm. how can you play when you've got eyes on another team already in the season? Rudiger, another one. He's not signed his new contract. He's apparently probably leaving uh, considering the Chelsea situation. So I just don't see how... There's just lack of concentration at Chelsea at the moment. They've got eyes everywhere. They've got. I don't think there's enough focus on what's going on right now in the season. There's too much commotion, um, and I think they're paying the price for it massively at the moment. Well, it's funny you mentioned Rudiger because he was actually linked with Real Madrid only a couple of months ago in terms of his Chelsea contract being up in the summer. You're spot on with that, and you know, could he end up at the Bernabeu next season? Well, who knows? Chelsea needs to still travel there. Joel doesn't think that they'll be able to get a result. Do you think they can get back into it in Madrid, Marley? They're 3-1 down at the moment. It's going to be a big challenge for them. Uh, not the way they're playing, no. Um, they they need something in the meantime. I think they've they only got one game. Um, you know, to It's not like the second leg's in a month's time or something. The second leg's next week. Um, so you've got to be... They've got to find something from somewhere. I don't know where it, where it comes from or, or what, but, you know, they, we know Chelsea have that level, but they're just nowhere near it. So... They have to find it from somewhere and find it quickly because Tuchel himself was saying last night that he he, he doesn't think the tie's uh, there to be won. He, he thinks it's over um, because of the level they're playing at. Brentford and um, Madrid performances have been you know, right from the, the very bottom drawer of, of what Chelsea can do. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's one step too far. And I think Real Madrid on a Champions League night at the Bernabeu is hard to win at the best of times. But when you've got a 3-1... Uh, lead from the first leg and you're playing a, a team that has struggled to to find the best uh, strikers and in the form they are you know to to go and win by two goals well minimum two goals um is is a huge ask and I think it's probably too far for Chelsea at this point in their in their season I think with the way that things have gone for Chelsea it is certainly going to be difficult for them to get back into it but I suppose there is the benefit that there is no away goals because if there was that would definitely be it. Yeah, no I can't chance. Can't see Chelsea. I can't see Chelsea scoring as many goals um, as they would have needed to if there was an away goals rule to, to get back into it. But that's the state of play in the first leg of the quarterfinal of the Champions League between Chelsea and Real Madrid. The reverse legs, I think, I'm right in saying, are next week. So we'll talk about those on next week's editions of Football Social Daily. There is more European football to come tonight, of course, involving Premier League clubs. Leicester City and West Ham are in action. We spoke about Barcelona a few moments ago. West Ham could play Barca in the semi-finals of the Europa League if they beat Lyon tonight. But that's the big thing. If and David Moyes doesn't want them looking too far ahead of the task in front of them. We'll talk about West Ham and Leicester City's challenges tonight after this. Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me. And you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. This is Football Social Daily, your award-winning Premier League podcast from Sports Social. Thanks for joining us. European football tonight, of course, Thursday nights mean it's the Europa League and the Europa Conference League. Leicester City in the Conference, West Ham in the conventional Europa League, and it's at the London Stadium where we're going to start this section of the show, looking ahead to those two quarterfinals this evening. West Ham taking on Lyon, the French club, 8 o'clock kickoff at London Stadium. Do you think this is West Ham's main focus now, Marley? the Europa League. There's a great chance they could win this competition with the way they've played in the Premier League this season. As we've mentioned, they they could play Barcelona. We'll talk about that in a second. But the top four is still very much in their sights. They've got Chelsea, Arsenal, Manchester City all to play in the Premier League before the season's over. So where do you think David Moyes' focus is? Is it on the Europa League or does it remain on the Premier League? Um, I'm reluctant to say the focus is, is purely on one or the other because... You know, Moise has been around for years, but, you know, the fans are certainly thinking about the Europa League. Um, I think it's one of those sort of competitions. I think I've said this before in the past, you know, when when you get this far, you know, you go all out for it. It doesn't matter where you are in the league, um, what you might win elsewhere, um, what's going up in the summer or whatever. You you try and win this, this tournament, you know, the, a few games from... From the final, you know, four games from the final with two legs against Leon and then possibly two legs against Barcelona coming up after that. Um, they need to not overlook Leon. I think a lot of Barcelona fans, sorry, a lot of West Ham fans are getting carried away with, you know, booking flights to Barcelona for for next month or later this month, whenever it is. Um, but Leon, Leon are a really good side um, and probably better than anything West Ham have played so far in the uh, in the in the Europa League, probably level with Sevilla, to be fair. Um, but yeah, they this is it's a huge chance for West Ham. They're never gonna well, they might get a chance like this in the future, but you know, nothing's guaranteed, is it? Because you know, the Premier League is everybody's bunching up in that sort of race between fourth and, and eighth, and there's going to be you know, teams spending probably more than them in the summer and and really sort of hitting their stride. Arsenal will be better next season. Man United will probably be better next season. Spurs as well. Um, so you're looking at that and thinking like, is it now for West Ham? Is is this the time? Because next next year they could end up in the uh, the Europa Conference League and it's that, that's fine. They, they could go and win that next season. But now you're in the Europa League. So I would, I'd be going all out for it if I was David Moyes. I'd be like, you know what? Let's, let's sack off the Premier League a little bit because... I think if if you're gonna if you're gonna sort of rest players so you can be stronger in the league, what are you doing that for? You you're doing it for probably to get back into the Europa League. So what's the point in getting back into the Europa League and and resting players in in the quarter final of the Europa League to then get back into the Europa League next season? It doesn't really make any sense. You're here now, you know. Strike while the iron's hot and try and win something now and and try and give your fans nights to remember. You know they they're never gonna forget that win over Sevilla at at, uh, at West Ham at the London Stadium. They're never going to forget that away trip to Sevilla where they went and watched, uh, was it nil-nil in that league? And, you know, there won't be any, any West Ham fans that came home from that unhappy. So it's all about the, the memories and, and the stuff you make for your fans now. And this is what, what they've got to do. They're going to go to Leon in a couple of, in, in a week's time and they're going to enjoy watching the team try and knock out another European giant to set up 
uh, a game against the European giant, which is Barcelona in the next round. Yeah, David Moyes says that West Ham mustn't look ahead to that potential semi-final with Barcelona. Obviously, Barcelona will need to win their game as well. That's Frankfurt haven't got a look in, have they? (laughs) Exactly, I know. Barcelona have got to win their game as well before that could possibly happen. Everyone seems to be already automatically putting Barcelona in the semi-finals of the Europa League. But surely, Joel, the players will be talking about that in the WhatsApp group and in the changing room and at the training ground and stuff like that. They'll be thinking, we can do Lyon here tonight. We could go and play at the Nou Camp. Yeah, of course. They'll, the pros, Just the prospect alone of being able to play that tie will be enough to be able to give them that motivation because when you're in like the last 16 of the tournament, I feel like there's, it's one of those where if we win, we'll, we'll, we'll put more effort into it. But now that they've just beat the third best team in Spain, in Sevilla, who are a, a really good side this season, to beat them, that should give them the belief alone that they could potentially go all the way I know that Barcelona are probably in the best form they've had in probably like two years now uh, so it wouldn't be the best time to play them if they do get past Leon. but I think the, the biggest hurdle they had was Sevilla um, Leon aren't playing amazingly in the French league at the moment they're in ninth position which is a massive fall off of what they've been doing consistently fourth third in the last season so um, I think this is just a massive opportunity and we've always said in podcasts previously that they need to strike while the iron's hot because you don't know if Declan Rice might get a big move in the summer this season you don't know uh, Jared Bowen Liverpool might be hovering around him and suddenly next season you've got a totally new look side who isn't capable of actually going to these depths in the season um, and for me I think they just have to if let's we'll put it this way they can't win anything from the Premier League this season all they can do, as Marley said, is get back into the competition that they're currently enjoying right now, which is the Europa League. And the the mere fact that if they win, which I know is an outside chance, but if they do it, they've got a big chance. They could be in the Champions League. So for me, having these away days, I'm sure the West Ham fans are absolutely loving the prospects of having these different away European ties because... As a United fan, regardless of you know Premier League status and that kind of thing, the European nights are the things that I love the most just because it just brings a different atmosphere. You get to play against all these different teams with like some of the best players in the world and suddenly if you're doing really bad in the league, it doesn't really make too much difference. So, you know, West Ham have got an outside chance of potentially breaching that top four, but for me... It's the fact that trophies in football are everything that matters. It, that's all that matters. If they win the Europa League and finish eighth this season, or they get to the final, finish eighth, I don't think any West Ham fan will have any complaints about that because it's all about the experiences of going all the way. The new camp, I mean, if if the prospects of just playing there alone will be sitting in the memory of every one of their fans for years to come, like you and Pompey with their Wembley Nile, it's just these these are the mo- <laughs> these are the moments that matter. Obviously, you guys went on and won it, which is you know one step ahead. Well, yeah, but even I mean, it was AC Milan for us in Europe. You know, to, this to host I mean. AC Milan and, was amazing, and then you, you had, had, still talk about that. Yeah, exactly. And then you had like Fulham, for example, when they played Juventus uh, in the Europa yeah. League back when they were pretty crap. Um, Juventus, but even still, <laughs> they played Juventus. <laughs> and and now they're just in the championship where Mitrovic is just banging in 40 yeah. a season, which is madness. Well, but yeah, I think Newcastle fans right. still talk about oh, Tino Espria's goal at the new camp. <laughs> and Schindler. Oh, well, I thought you were, I thought you were going to uh, mention our uh, Intertoto Cup win in 2005, but we're going further back, are we? All right, yeah, fair enough. But then we got to mention no, Spurs' Audi but, but yeah. Cup then, so it's a bit of a wormhole. But... <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, you opened Pandora's box there. Exactly. So, but yeah, I think they got a strike while the iron's hot with West, uh, with West Ham. This is the best chance they've ever had at European yeah. glory, at a Barcelona title. I mean, when, when's the last time Barcelona in the Europa League? The answer's never. This is the one chance they may ever have for decades to come to play Barcelona in a European competition, go for it. That's this is the, the the team they have now will not be the same team next season. So they have to strike while the iron's hot because that team will probably be dismantled if they don't uh, win anything, which is the, the main aim of football, is it not? Yeah, absolutely is. And Leicester City also have a great opportunity to, to win European silverware. They take on PSV Eindhoven, the Dutch side, touchdown on English soil tonight at King Power Stadium. That's the first leg of the quarterfinal in the UEFA Europa Conference League, which is the third tier of European competition. PSV also in this 
competition just purely because they finished third in their Europa League group. So these are two decent sides, it has to be said. PSV second in the Eredivisie, the Dutch league. They're two points behind Ajax, who lead the way. That Wren tie wasn't simple for Leicester, but they managed to get the job done, Marley. Get the feeling that this won't be simple either. No, it'll be uh, it'll be a decent game. I think Leicester were pretty poor at the weekend against Man United. There was a couple of flashes of quality, but but not enough because um, Man United were there for the beating. Um, as as we said, uh, I think it was Tuesday's podcast. You know, um, they should have should have had that game. Should have had the three points from that at, at Old Trafford. Um, but PSV are a, a handy side. You know, they I think they're. They're uh, just announced that Ruud van Nistelrooy is going to be the manager next season, which is uh, which will be a bit of a you know a unknown quantity, I suppose. But um, yeah, but PSV, uh, you know the the ones that get nearest to Ajax in that league. Ajax are dominant, um, of course, but PSV uh, are the next best team, and that doesn't mean they're a bad team at all. You know they've only lost five games all season, um, and they're doing pretty well. You know they came. Finished third in quite a tough group. I can't remember who was in the group. I seem to remember it was someone decent in the Europa League. Um, and they'll fancy this tournament as well. They won't They won't be looking at Leicester and going, oh, God, we'll do well to beat them. They'll be looking at Leicester and going, they're like ninth in the Premier League, so can we not beat them? Like, is this not a, a big chance for us to go and win this uh, win this competition? But just I always think with Dutch sides, with their, their history of nice football, but not much uh, sort of like steel and stuff can you can you outfight them kind of easily um and Leicester will be hoping to do that because you know if Leicester still win this uh Leicester can win this to- tournament and get into the Europa League through that I think um you know that's uh, that represents a, something of a saving grace to the season I think yeah it's not been easy for them this season they've had a lot of injuries and sort of not being able to field a, a settled side is impacted them in terms of their Premier League performances and they've still got injuries going into this one Wilfred indeed he's missing could be out for the rest of the season big blow for them Jamie Vardy it looks like he's going to miss out again Uh, their replacements as such for the game at Old Trafford at the weekend Joel they didn't exactly set Old Trafford alight but then again you know it was one of those games where it it did feel like two sides of equal quality going at it at at least on the day do you think they'll need a better performance than the one they put on against Manchester United to to win tonight particularly ahead of the second leg being away from home well you would think so because when you look at the situation now the Premier League they have nothing to play for anymore Um, potentially that was a, a reason for the bad display at Old Trafford but I mean, again, the same situation as West Ham, but I guess a tier below. This is one of the best chances for another piece of silverware. They've already won two amazing pieces in the last seven years. Um, And again, this is another route to get into the Europa League, which in the league doesn't look like a, a route that is even open for them at the moment. So... Yeah, they are missing a few. Obviously, Jamie Vardy, I think, is massive. But, I mean, Ian Acho had an amazing performance. I thought he was probably man of the match for me um, against United. He was so good. His hold-up play was incredible. Um, and, yeah, I mean, this. I think the biggest part for them is the fact that Wesley Fofana is back. And he adds just so much calm and solidity to that uh, defensive back four and the same with James Justin as well I think having those two back are just absolutely massive at this stage of the season it's quite interesting that that whole back four against Manchester United were all players that had only just come back from injury you know you had yeah, Castagna yeah. Evans Fafana and then James Justin so it's like you're talking about four players who've been out for serious length of time between them and they managed to keep Manchester United at bay but you know is is Two games in five days, is that going to be a stretch too far? Will Rogers change it? There there are questions to be asked there. Yeah, just in time for the game at Old Trafford as well, of course. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think, well, PSV are definitely no easy game. They're going toe-to-toe with Tenag's Ajax side in the in the Dutch league at the moment. So they're having a good season. I don't think they'll win it. Um, but I think it's going to be a very difficult task, considering the fact that when we saw Leicester in there, group when they had you know Napoli and I think Slavia Prague and a lot of the games were such struggles for them and you would hope that they'd be up for this because like I say I'm not sure who they can draw in the next round is it the game out of Roma 
a potential a bird a glimpse uh, I think uh, yeah. yeah so I mean that, I, a good, that's, I mean to go to the Olympico that's an amazing prospect in itself well again much what we were saying with Frankfurt and Barcelona bird a glimpse hammered Roma well, earlier yeah, on in the true. season <laughs> <laughs> I mean you think well this is the thing with Mourinho is the fact that he has so much entitlement you know rightly so uh, considering he's been he's won what two Champions League titles he's always been there and he's won a Europa League with United as well so I'm sure he just sees this competition as just oh another another day in uh, another day in the office with Roma but yeah I'm sure he'll treat when when he won the Europa League with United he treated it like a massive achievement considering well we can go into the the backstory of that but I think this will be another big trophy that he'll want to win just to add to his trophy cabinet and again the fact that Roma need probably Europa League next season because the Champions League is looking too far out of reach uh, since Juventus Inter Milan and uh, Napoli are currently totally taking those four places so yeah the prospect of Roma of Roma away I think will be an amazing prospect in itself but again you just got to be up for these games and these Dutch sides will be looking at this thinking we could be the first team to win this trophy in its history yeah. which I think is a real ambition in itself yeah absolutely I think that these games are starting to get quite exciting to be honest with you quarter final time in European competition it's Leicester against PSV in the Conference League and West Ham against Lyon eight o'clock kickoff in the Europa League at London Stadium we'll talk about both of those games on tomorrow's edition of Football Social Daily we'll also be talking about Newcastle we're playing Wolves tomorrow night Marley just are. a quick little thought on that um, need a response after that Tottenham shambles <laughs> yeah we do yeah uh yeah back at home is a big thing for us but we need to uh need to back it up with back it up with the performance because we were shocking against against spurs wolves are decent side but you know they don't score too many and the uh the defense is, is where it's at and we've got players that need to prove a point that maxivine and, and wood need to start chipping in really um so hopefully we can we can get something and get that one more win to uh to sort of really solidify our, our position above the uh, the scrap that's going on below us. Well, you can hear more about that game in the Premier League on tomorrow's edition of Football Social Daily. If you hit subscribe, that way you won't miss it. And you also won't miss the dugout, which will be released on Friday evening. It's our Premier League show featuring former top flight players, Francis Benali of Southampton fame and Dean Hammond, formerly of Leicester Brighton as well, will be joining him and myself on that show. We'll be talking about that huge game on Sunday between Liverpool and Manchester City, as well as Manchester United versus Everton and a host of other fixtures as well. So hit subscribe and you won't miss it. But from myself, Mark, and Joel, that is it for today. And we'll catch you next time on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.